I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour Podcast. I'm Amy Frost, and my guest today is Claire Williams. She's the executive director of BETA, the British Equestrian Trade Association, and along with helping businesses in our industry, she also does the Great Equestrian Survey. The last one was in 2015, and we get the results of 2019. This is Horse Hour. Today we've got a wonderful guest. Her name is Claire Williams. You will have definitely heard of her before because she's been on the podcast. Claire is the Executive Director of BETA, the British Equestrian Trade Association, and she has big news for us today. Every few years, Claire does a survey um, and it's on the equestrian industry and she's going to announce today the results of this year's survey. But let's start with Claire. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Amy. Now, you travel all over the world. You're very rarely in the UK, it seems. Where are you at the moment? Oh, no, I am more often than not in the UK. <laughs> it just we always seem to catch up when I'm overseas. I am currently at Equitana, which is the mother of all um, equestrian shows in Germany, in a city called Essen, which not many people have heard of in the UK. And Equitana has been going on since 1972. It runs every two years and it welcomes um, 200,000 visitors over the nine days. Wow. Oh, my goodness. So let's compare that to something in the UK, a a trade show in the UK that, that might be the equivalent. Well, it's probably the closest you'll get to it is probably your horse slide because it's a, a B2C, so business to consumer show. Um, so there are lots and lots of stands that you can buy things at. There are lots and lots of stands that you can see manufacturers' products on. Um, it's your horse live about six times the size. <laughs> wow. And are there displays and things too? Every hall, let's see, I'm looking at the show plan. We've got 10 halls. And in just about every but one of them, there is at least one arena, if not two. So if we get background noise, it's because the two arenas in my hall are going to start. And you get just about <laughs> every breed in the world here. Um, sadly, not terribly many British, although interestingly enough, the German Welsh Pony Association is two doors down from me. Um, oh, wow. And it's amazing. They have a, a gala performance in the evening that runs for five nights. And then you get demos from some of the leading, um, mainly German riders including Luca Beerbaum, Ingrid Klintka, 
Um, yeah, there's loads to see and do. It's a real shame I'm tied to the stand all week. <laughs> but that's what I love about you, Claire, and I love about Beta is that you really help our industry and equestrian businesses in the UK, um, both import and export. So have you taken some British businesses with you? Yeah, I mean, export's so important for our industry at the moment with all the uncertainty surrounding Brexit. So there are 20-odd British companies here. Um, Beta sources funding for them through the Department of International Trade. So some of them have got funding support towards the cost of their stands. And then I have a stand myself, and we have um, half a dozen uh, British companies' products on the stands. Um, Hilton Hoods is here. Blazeware, Agma that does biosecurity products, Red Horse products that does um, uh, products for hooves and for general horse health, Crafty Ponies and Keyflow. That's amazing because it's not cheap to go to these events. So, uh, you know, many businesses say, oh, you know, how do I get to a trade event? I can't afford it. Um, And the fact that you can actually get them funding is amazing. Yeah, and it's great to have some of the products here on the stand. So I get people from the companies who can't maybe spare the time for nine days. They come along for a couple of days and it gives them the chance to see what else is on the market here, talk about their products and have a good look around. So it works really well. And to be part of that or to get selected or even have the opportunity to, to potentially go out there, I'm guessing they've got to be a member of Beta. And, um, um, and how do they get on your radar, Claire? <laughs> To be on the stand, yes, they do have to be a member of Beta. To get the funding, no, they don't, because it's government funding, so we can't just select members. Um, We just keep an eye out for what's out there. Members hear about it through our email and through our website, and we have a um, Facebook group for Talk of the Trade that we have for members. And then on a wider front, through things like Beta International, the trade show we run, they find about it, um, the opportunities from us there or through something like Equestrian Trade News, which is the monthly trade publication that we put out. So there's loads of opportunities to find out about what's going on on the export front. And equally, it's quite nice to have the support from somebody that understands import and export. Um, You know, quite often, I think, in, in any industry, actually, but particularly our industry, it can be quite overwhelming you know a lot of us get into business because we love our horses and then we're thrown into this business world of uh, tax and where do, and shipping and manufacturers and you know it, it can it can be quite overwhelming at times yeah it's a it's really daunting sometimes to start that export journey um and in my background before i came to visa was exactly that um i worked out of germany for a new zealand company so exporting was sort of my bread and butter so it's really good that I can use some of those skills to help companies develop their markets further. Brilliant. And the one of the other things that you do, which I just love, and I've referred to this on so many occasions, um, is your equestrian survey. And the last one that you did was in 2015. Can you tell us about the recent survey you've conducted? Yeah, you're quite right. We do it probably every four or five years. We've been doing it since 1995. Um, and with the 2019 survey, the results are just starting to come through now. We started the field work at the end of last year, and it's done in three phases. So the first phase is we go out to the general public, um, over 6,000 this time, so a bigger sample than we've ever done before, um, and we ask them, so that's not specifically riders, we ask them whether they ride, whether they've ever ridden, if they've ever ridden, um, if do they currently, and if not, why not? And that starts to provide us with some of that base data of what proportion of the population rides, what proportion of households in Great Britain own horses, 
and some of the reasons as to why they've given up. The next two stages are a telephone series and then an online series of questionnaires. And that then starts to give us some of the financial data that we need to understand what the value of our industry is, what people do with their horses and what they buy and where they buy it. And so that is a huge amount of data that we then put out in a series of reports. So what I did at the forum on Thursday was start to put out some of that initial information. And it's the exciting bit that everybody wants is that how many riders do we estimate there are in Great Britain today? And how many are there? Aha, drum roll. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm really, really pleased because after a steady decline in riding over the last pretty much 10 years, we're starting to see a turnaround. And so the total rider numbers in the last year, we estimate have gone up from the 2.7 million that there were in 2014 to around about 3 million in the last year, which is wow. hugely comforting for all the work that everybody does in the horse industry and you know, all the member bodies of the BEF and, and everybody else. Um, and equally, what's really pleasing is that there's been an increase in those who regularly ride. And by that, I mean at least once a month. And they've gone up from 1.3 million regular riders to 1.8 million regular riders in the last year. Um, wow. So that's really, really pleasing, yeah. And the bi- interestingly, the biggest rise um, has been between the 25 to 44-year-old female, which was one of the age groups that saw a real drop in the last survey. Okay, so I wonder why that's gone up. Do you think it's because the younger riders are now getting to that age, um, seeing as I'm right in the middle of that? Um, or do you think that... <laughs> Do you think that it's... But interestingly, I came into it a lot later. So I actually came into it at 28 to, you know, I was 28 when I started riding again. So I'm kind of thinking maybe the other option is that society has changed where it's more acceptable. We're more accepting of women with children and families and, you know, the kids can come to shows and and, and it's a much more, again, a family family sport. You really, and it could well be, I don't have all of that extra data now. As I say, I've only got the bare bones. But um, I'm like you, I didn't start till I was in my mid-twenties. And I think it's much more of a family activity involving everyone. Um, I think the ridings, the numbers have probably also gone up, possibly because um, we saw a real downturn in the last survey as a result of the recession in the 2008 mm. 9, 10 recession for a real drop-off. And I think now following that turnaround, we're now far enough away from that recession to see the numbers start to build up again. Mm. And equally, I mean, I, I'm just giving you my opinion because I obviously don't have any statistics, but I feel, I'm feeling over the last few years, a big shift and a big change in general attitude towards, it's not just about the competing. There's been a lot of push towards everyday welfare, people that just want to enjoy their horses, um, grassroots riders. And I, for one, love that um, because it means that um, uh, for our level, we've got a lot more support now. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the, the vast bulk of people who ride just do it in their leisure time. They don't compete, um, you know, a huge proportion, over 90% regularly just tech. And I think it's now not necessarily that competition is the overwhelming reason why people ride. They ride because they enjoy the activity, they like getting out, and it's something they can do with other people, whether it's people of their own age or their children or partners. 
So I, I think there has been a real a real t- turnaround on that front over the last probably 10 to 15 years. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. But then I guess on the other side of the coin, um, how have businesses been affected? Because we've seen quite a few businesses close down over the last two years and big, major, major players as well. Um, with prices of products coming down, on one hand, it's amazing that more people are riding. But equally, how are we seeing the businesses? How are they doing? It's been, I mean, it has been a challenge for a lot of businesses. But when you lose some of the, some of the weaker ones, then it means that some of the others can get stronger. So I think the market's sort of evening it out a bit. I mean, I think when you look, one of the things we do with the survey as well is that we look at um, sort of how many lapsed riders there are and then of the lapsed riders, who want to come back in. And that's really encouraging because um, a large proportion of the people that have lapsed, so um, 5 million people have, have 5 million rider households, have people who used to ride but don't anymore Um, and when you look at the numbers over 650,000 of them actually want to ride again so not only have our existing numbers gone up but those people there's a really big pool of of what we call warm leads of people who'd like to ride if they had the opportunity to Um, and so that decline in rider numbers has been stopped and then hopefully that's been reversed around what we also need to look at, though, is why they've given up riding. And mm-hmm. uh, not surprising, it's financial factors that drive a lot of people to stop riding, which has is, is always been that reason. You know, when times get tough or, or your circumstances change, you have to look at what you can give up. And sometimes, you know, your sporting activities, whether it's riding or other sports, is something that maybe it's easier to stop than giving up other things. Mm. Yeah. And equally, again, you know, riding schools have closed down quite a few and, and a lot of that's down to the government. So I, 
how can we change this? Although it's so positive on so many ways because the fact that more people are riding is a massive achievement. But how can we tap into that five million that have lapsed? How can we reopen riding schools? Well, that's a big challenge, isn't it? Because when you look at why people don't go back to riding, one of the big reasons they give is lost access. And by that, we don't mean rights of way, so, you know, bridal path. We mean that they've lost the ability to access a horse to ride. And that's usually through access. They've lost um, access to their facilities, and that could mean riding school, but it also could mean maybe they used to own a horse and now they don't, or they used to share a horse and now they don't. So, you know, how we get people to access again, I think we just have to really look at alternatives. So... Um, you know, what riding schools there are and making them stronger, or maybe look at other routes to market. You know, there are a lot of places you can go um, trekking or or for occasional use, and that's a really good way to get back into riding, is look at, you know, maybe going out for the weekend and ride at a local trekking centre to get you back into that habit. Um, And maybe looking for horse shares. Um, It's an area that we really all have to put our thinking caps on and see what we can do to change it. Do you know, I think a lot of it is the fear, a fear of um, the processes, the systems, the the laws that we now have, for example, livery yards. So I've I've recently, for all this reason, Claire, because I just love horses and I want as many people to learn as possible. Each week I have a different young person come to my private yard and um, they help and they don't they don't necessarily want to be grooms they're not an apprentice but i try and teach them as much as possible in that you know in the eight hours that they're with me and um if one of the other the other horse owners that are here are all so lovely that they let these girls ride their horses obviously under supervision um but there's no Mm. insurance for that really there's no we're not a riding school so you know I, i can't be insured there are there are almost like grey areas that I think as an owner, as a livery yard owner, you're taking on a massive risk. But I'm so keen on educating these girls cause they, and boys because they've got nowhere else to go that I'm kind of prepared to take that risk. You know, one's 13, she comes with her dad, another one's 24. And she just put a message out saying, I really want to like get into back into riding and get, be around horses again and I'll do whatever. And I remember when we were young, I remember being, you know, 12 myself and just wanting to be around them but it's risky it is risky to to take on these kids when you're not really insured for it are you no I mean that's a brilliant thing I think you know in days gone by before health and safety kicked in that's how a lot of kids got into riding and so maybe it's as much riding schools closing as it is people getting a lot more insurance sensitive and aware of the litigious society so you know in the uh, a lot of kids used to do that. They used to go along to their your local yard and kitchen and give a hand. And that is so much harder now to do because people are much more aware of the risks and insurance. Um, and I think, you know, it, it, it would be lovely to go back to a time where people, their first question wasn't, are you insured? But rather, would you like to help? Yeah, and that's pretty much what it is. So as a livery yard, you know, we have livery yard insurance and I guess we just have to make sure they take responsibility for 
their children and you know if anything was to happen but actually what I found is that we've built a little community Claire it's so lovely and the dads all chipped in and helped put up some fencing the other day and I just thought you know you give you give back and you get something back and we've got this lovely little community feeling and it sounds a little bit dreamlike but I would love for that to to kind of impact on other places throughout you know throughout the UK where it isn't so safety driven and we're not so afraid of being like America and being sued and the only people that I feel are going to turn around our country and our industry is us and you guys are doing an amazing job leading it at the forefront and finding the statistics but ultimately we're going to have to do something ourselves yeah no it's not but I think what you've described is exactly what is one of the biggest pluses of the equestrian industry is that it does create communities and you know it gives um, people the opportunity to get involved and um, to be involved in the industry you don't have to ride um, and that's mm. where you know things like all the volunteers are horses bring so much and it's not just riding them it's just being around them and they can be used in so many different ways and I think that's a really important benefit that we need to push more um, out there is that what horses what a good quality of life horses can bring whether you're on them or whether you're just associated with them. That's something we really need to promote. Can you imagine if one of us, if, if all of us just managed to get one other person to be connected to horses that maybe hadn't been connected before? I think that should be our mission for this year is if you own a horse, you find a friend or a work colleague or a, a, someone's child that might be interested um, and you give them an opportunity to come and spend time with your horse with you. And it could be grooming them, stroking them, learning about them, feeding them, maybe even having a little ride, but just spending time with them then take a photo of you and your friend and your horse, post it on Twitter, tag Beta, tag Horse Hour, hashtag Horse Hour, and let's see how many people we can get, you know, introducing somebody new to riding. Because there's loads of us. There's now three million of us riding. So if three million of us bring one person, that's another three million, six million people riding. What do you think, Claire? Yeah, that's a brilliant, that's a brilliant idea because <laughs> that's all about, you know, just showing that horses aren't scary, that they really add a to life and and it will dispel mm. that myth that you have to have lots of money or be posh mm. to ride because we all know you don't no absolutely well thank you thank you so much for everything you do thank you for doing the survey um i can't wait to see your published results when they're all detailed where can we find them um you can go on the beta website at the moment there's um some small bit of information that we released this week that's beta-uk.org um, if you want to be involved and put your voice out there and actually take part in the survey, it's not too late. We're still doing some telephone field work. So if you go to the Beta Equestrian Facebook page, there's a link there where you can click on it and it will take you through to become part of our online equestrian panel. And if you're happy to be telephoned, you can um, put your number in and then we'll call you in the next week or so if you do that quickly. And then just keep an eye out on um, Beta Equestrian on Twitter and Facebook and the results will be published in due course. Amazing. And you did um, a fabulous speech. Um, you, you spoke at the National Equine Forum on Thursday, which was live streamed. And you can watch all the all the guest speakers throughout the day if you head to nationalequineforum.com. Claire, thanks so much. I hope the rest of the show goes really well and um, and have a safe journey home. Thanks ever so much, Amy. And as you'd say in Germany, when you say goodbye, tschüss.
Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, you can catch all previous episodes of the podcast on our website. Just head to horsehour.co.uk. And of course, all the usual places, iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Player FM, even on Alexa, if you ask her nicely. I hope you enjoyed Twitter this evening and our Horse Hour networking hour. Don't forget, just use hashtag Horse Hour on whatever social media you're on. And check out our Insta stories. I've been working really hard on creating new content for you as much as possible and with the eventing season starting this weekend then uh, there's loads of content for you from pictures videos backstage gossip you know i love to find out what's going on and i like to bring that to you do share your stories and your journeys of your horses um, with us by tagging us at horse hour i'm at amy stevenson one on twitter and uh, we're all on social on insta too so tag everybody share your stories let us know what you've been up to and i hope you have a great week with your horse speak to you soon 